This is Generation Justice, a multimedia project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Nathaniel Guardian. And I'm Bianca Mitchell. As news of border laws circulates, we look at the experiences of undocumented young adults through writing and events to take action. Tonight, we will hear from Susan Kuklin, a writer and photographer, who will speak about her new book, We Are Here to Stay, Voices of Undocumented Young Adults. We also have some community events for you. Plus, our youth producers chose some of their favorite music to share. Our first song of the night is American Oxygen by Rihanna. Susan Kuklin is an author and photographer who recently published a book titled We Are Here to Stay, Stories of Undocumented Young Adults. Susan is a photojournalist who is also a teacher for the New York public school system. She has written books on and for youth like Beyond Magenta, Transgender Teens Speak Out, and more. Now, here is GJ youth producer, 14-year-old Bianca Mitchell, with Susan Kuklin, who speaks about her latest book and the importance of highlighting the lives of young people. This is Bianca Mitchell with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Susan Cooklin, the author of the newly released book, We Are Here to Stay, Voices of Undocumented Young Adults, published by Candlewick Press. Welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you. Will you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, let's see. I started work as a photojournalist, uh, mostly in New York. And in order to get jobs at an early age, since there are so many photojournalists, I started writing along with the uh, the shoots that I would go on. And so that I could go to magazines and say, look, you get two for one. Why don't you hire me over 18 other people who were vying for the job. And I found that I loved writing just as much as I loved photography. So I'm a photojournalist and I write nonfiction contemporary literature, uh, mostly for young adults. And that's pretty much my background. Uh, I mostly am interested in First Amendment rights, which has to do with the freedom of expression. And that would also include the arts, especially dance and social issues, such as uh, immigration and um, LGBTQ issues, issues that we're talking about in public, but I think aren't talked about deeply enough so that we get a sense of who the people are who are affected by some of the uh, political statements that are made or media not having enough time to really go into who these, who people are and how they're affected by law, you know, and various situations. Tell us some of the other projects you have worked on and how it led you to become a photojournalist and author. My uncle had a Leica camera. Leica cameras are like the queen of the camera. And it was all very manual. Nothing was automatic. 
And he brought it home, and he was very excited to take pictures. And no one in the family paid any attention except one person, me. And I fell in love with that camera, and we would go out shooting together. And that started me wanting to take more pictures. And the reason why I wanted to be a photojournalist was if you have that camera, you could go all sorts of places and do all sorts of things. And I just didn't want to live in a small world. I wanted to see everything. I'm really a busybody. I mean, I'm so nosy. I can get into trouble. But if you have a camera, you don't. So I would be able to spend a day backstage at the New York City Ballet taking pictures. And then the next day, going to the South Bronx, where they were having, where there was all sorts of shooting, you know, shootings and and burning buildings and everything else. And I loved that kind of diversity. And I wanted more and more of it. Uh, but that started me as a photojournalist. And uh, one day I was visiting a friend at Columbia University who had a new project. It was called Project NIM. And it was teaching a chimpanzee to create a sentence. And he said, well, why don't you be the photographer on my project? So I said, yes, of course. And I started photographing this chimpanzee. And as we were doing it, I said, you know, this would make a great children's book. And it did become a children's book. And so all of a sudden, I was an, an illustrator on a children's book. And I really liked it. I also liked my colleagues who I was working with. So that started me in the world of children's literature. I especially like doing work for young adults because I can get deeper into it. I can be more nitty-gritty. I can I could really be open about what a subject is. And these are, these are the people who are the future. Five years ago, I did a book called Beyond Magenta, Transgender Teenagers Speak Out. And that was done mainly because no one was talking about transgender teenagers. This was also published by... Candlewick. It was my, the first book I did with them. Here were people who were, no one was talking about the subject and people were getting bullied and beaten and killed. And I thought, we have to find out about this. And so that was another book that I did. And I've tried to keep on subjects that you should hear what's happening to the people who are affected by, by these things. Maybe, and again, get to know them a little bit. So maybe it'll change. And even prior to that, I did a book about teenagers on death row who... Um, really shouldn't have been there. But of course, the law changed now, but I wanted to find out who these these young people were. So I've always tried to go through tough subjects, really tough subjects, and try to make it understandable. I want to read more of your books. Your books just sound like super... I'll tell you, they're really interesting to work on, too, because I learned so much more. Because as much as I can put in the book, I have to learn 15, 20 times more so yeah. that I can write about it. Yeah, it's been great. It's great to be able to do that. Will you introduce your book, We Are Here to Stay, Voices of Undocumented Young Adults? Yes. Um, this is a book about nine specific people who do not have uh, the documents to stay in this country. Two of them, now three actually, have green cards so they can stay. And the remainder are all documented, meaning they have credentials to stay here for the next two years. Uh, after that, we do not know. What, what will happen to them. Um, the people in the book came to this country through their with their parents as very young children. They go to school with everyone. Uh, they could be your neighbors. They could be your best friend. They're just regular folks. But what I did was I met these kids individually, 
and I interviewed them for a very long time. I'm saying hours, a minimum of 10 hours, and also photographed them. And then I took their material, like what they said, how they came to America, what it was like and starting in a, in a new country where you didn't speak the language, uh, you know, how it was for their parents, what it's like to live here under the shadow of, of, of being deported at any moment. And so they talked very candidly about that. Then I took all this material and I rewrote it as a narrative. Then I gave it back to the, the individual to read it, and they were looking for it. Does it sound like you? Is it your voice? And is it correct? Or am I getting all the facts right? And once we went back and forth and back and forth till it was exactly the way they wanted it, I, ha I had the story. Where did you get your inspiration to write and create this book? Well, well, I can tell you how I started writing the book. And that was a, a very good friend of mine is an immigration lawyer. And back in, I think, 2014, she said, you really should do a book on immigration. And I said, yeah, but it's just, is it, I mean, we're all immigrants with the exception of Native American people. There's so many immigrants. Is it going to be interesting? I mean, it's just this big subject. And she said, well, I'll send you some material. And so she sent me all sorts of information. Uh, some, a lot of it was about the dreamers. And I, I sort of knew about them, but I didn't know about them. And when I started reading what was going on and, and what was happening to them, I thought, if I could give help these people get a voice, if they can speak who they are in their own terms, they can define themselves in their own terms and talk about it in their voice, that, that could be an interesting experience. But I still wasn't sure whether I was the right person to do the book. Maybe a, an undocumented person should have written this book. So I thought about it, and my friend's daughter came over with her college friend, who was a dreamer. And she came over at about five in, in the evening or late noon and stayed till about one or two. We just sat talking and talking and talking, and she was so interesting, and I absolutely fell in love with her. And I realized while we were talking that I'm the granddaughter of immigrants, and the conversations I had with my grandparents were very similar to the issues we were talking about around my dinner table. It became dinner because it went on forever. Um, and I thought, yes, I think I am the right person to do this this book because I, I understand what's going on. I remember what's going on. And so that's how the whole thing started. Wow. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> how such little things can grow to such big things. Like, exactly, yeah. exactly. And it triggered yeah. something in me. I thought I would be writing about other people, and I realized, no, I'm not. I'm writing about my whole family. I'm writing about myself. The, 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 the stories, the issues, they were so similar. It, it blew, my, blew me away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your research to find the young people who started their stories with you. Well, it started with this young woman, my, my friend's daughter's college friend. Uh, her name, I can't tell now because we're yes. hiding names. Uh, her name starts with a Y, and she is in chapters one and two. So she became my first person in the book. And she mentioned that she has twin siblings. So I said, do you think they'd want to talk? And they said, absolutely. So then they came over, and I started interviewing them. And, and that got things going. During my conversation with Y, or one of the conversations with Y, she mentioned how safe she felt 
in New York because we're a sanctuary city and there were, there's so many immigrants. We're all immigrants in New York, you know. And, um, um, but she would be very nervous in a place like Arizona. So I thought, oh, I guess I better get myself to Arizona to find out what it's like for people there. So that moved me into the next phase. And I met people through various organizations, grassroots organizations, and also ACLU was very helpful in introducing me to their affiliates in other cities. So the people who are in the book are all people who volunteered. And uh, I explain exactly what I'm going to do, exactly what my mission is, exactly what kind of the ground rules are. You know, this is what I can provide and this, you know, this will be an honest, open conversation. You'll get to see everything, you know, that I write. You know, it's not an expose. So we we come to a point where there's a real trust and uh, a caring and then we can go from there. You know, that's how it, so it snowballed. It was I met one person, then I met another person, and then another person, and they, they sort of led me. The book, the book sort of became its own its own being. Well, one of the stories I read was with Y and her sisters, where she mm. falls off the concrete and goes on. It like it's that was probably it almost made me cry because I was like, how someone goes through that, like. I don't know. It, it just like touched me. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's that the wise sister is S. Yeah. And uh, and she was six years old when she was shot. Yeah. In the leg, and yeah, that touched me a lot too. It's hard to read it without crying, but but she just blossomed. You know, she she's okay. She doesn't even have a limp. She worked at it, um, and she's just this beautiful person who's growing and just graduated college and is just doing so well. So even though she w- she went through all sorts of difficult things, and yet now she's thriving. Yeah. And giving back to other people now, doing things for other people. So that's that's an it's important lesson. Amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful. Share with us what you hope the readers will gain from your work. Well, I, you know, as I started, I th- the idea that if you get to know somebody, they're they're not going to seem foreign to you. You have a, a bigger stake in protecting them. So I hope that getting to know these nine people in the pages of this book, you'll have a, a, a better sense of what's happening in the real world. Now, these are nine people. We're talking about 800,000 people who are like the, the young people in this book. So I think that, um, that that's the most important thing to know. Just get to know somebody. You might change your attitude a little bit. There's another part, though, too. Of the 800,000 people who are in limbo right now and just having a a really hard time of it, um, they can read these nine stories and know they're not alone. Mm -hmm. They're doing that. So so it's a twofold thing. You can learn from it, and you can also know that you're not alone. I like to call it windows and mirrors. You could be looking through a a window to learn about somebody else, or you can look at a mirror to see a reflection of yourself. That's that's a really good thing. Yeah, so that's what I hope to the book will convey. Yeah. I hope so too, because like I'm going to share a little bit about um, what happened in my school the other day. Okay. Um, we were talking about DACA, um, and half the kids didn't know what that was, and I was like, I was like really really sad, and what we're learning now in our schools, and one of the kids next to me, sitting next to me, like, not everyone knows what you know, Bianca, and I'm like. But there's no excuse for kids not to. They're the 
new generation. They're the people that need to fix this. They're the people that are next. So That's right. That's I, right. I, I was just like, it like brought me to that attention. Oh, that's great. But we should say that DACA means Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. That's what it stands for. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we call people who have DACA documented, (laughs) DACA-umented people. So, yeah. Why is it important for these youth to have their voices heard? Well, it's very important to them because they didn't like the idea that someone else was defining them. They wanted to be be defined in their terms, not uh, according to the media or, as I said earlier, a soundbite. They wanted you to know who they were. That they were like your neighbors. They were like your, you know, people you go to school with, people, your friends, family. You know, they're just like everyone else, and they felt that they weren't getting that, and they they wanted their story told. I noticed that there are a lot of blank portraits. Can you explain why they're blank? I promised them that I'm going to provide certain things for them. And one is a voice and the other are pictures. So we did quite a few photo sessions and portrait sessions so that they would they would have their picture, their name, and and their story told. Then all of a sudden after the last election, we got nervous. I got really nervous because I didn't want anything to happen to these people. I love them. I'm crazy about them. They're just such good people and they're doing wonderful things in this country. So I wanted to be very careful. And so what happened was the day after the election, um, I called my editor crying (laughs) and said, we can't publish the book. The book was three days before it was going to print. It was all designed and all ready to go. It was a terrible time. And so my editor went to the president of the uh, publishing house, Candlewick Press, who said, "Um, you're right. And with great sadness, they took all the mechanicals, all the design that was all set up and put it in a drawer and locked the the drawer and put away the key. And we thought we weren't going to be able to publish it. But in time, it was in two years' time, right, um, we thought the stories are the most important thing, even more important than the photographs, even more important than the names. It's the stories that count, and people need to know who these people are. So I emailed everyone. I have an ongoing email that is BCC'd, not CC'd. And the reason why it's BCC'd was I didn't want anyone to feel peer pressure, and so I would write to everyone say, here's where we stand, or here are the possibilities of what we could do. Tell me your thoughts, and I'll put them all together, and we'll come up with some things. So some people absolutely wanted their photograph in. They wanted their name. Other people said, if you don't mind taking out my picture, I don't mind my name there. Some people said, would you just take out my name but leave the picture? So they were all, and, and I also offered people the, the option to drop out. Or they didn't want to drop out. So we came to an understanding that we were going to be as careful as possible. And we weren't going to show this up like some people are completely brave and want to do this, but other people were not because they weren't brave because they were worried about their families. And so I said, okay, we're going to be as conservative as possible with taking out pictures, not having your faces in, not having your full names in. And some people were disappointed, but they said, if this is the only way to um, have the book published, they'll go for it. And they also said, if anybody's uncomfortable in the book, we don't want them to be uncomfortable. So they were helping each other 
without even knowing that they were helping each other because they were all sending everything to me. And that's how we changed it. And oddly, the original name of this book was called Out of the Shadows. And here I threw them back into the shadows. So I, in a sense, went back on what I told them the book was about, which was terrible for me because I was going back on my word of this is your chance to come out of the shadows. And I was putting them back. Of course, it really wasn't my my situation. It was what was going on politically. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's completely clear about that. You know, they're fine. Yeah. So that's how that all evolved. What wisdom have you gained on immigration while writing your book? Well, one thing is I know that uh, the laws have not kept up with the country. And if in the back of the book, I have the listing of all the immigration law from the beginning of the country, the 1700s, to the present. And there's this big gap that's going on right now. And there has not been enough... Um, enough law and enough reform to reflect who's coming here, why they're coming here, and what we should do about it. So uh, that was one of the biggest eye-openers for me, was it's just wrong, and we have to demand that that, uh, immigration law be looked at in a fair way and in an honest way. And we are not they's, we are we's, and we are all in this together. Uh, we are in this thing called earth and love and life together and that we have much more in common, that we have differences. Once you get to know somebody, you see that they're not that many. You're not going to be weary of them. You see that we're, we're all pretty much the same. We have the same values. We have the same goals. We just approach it maybe from different socioeconomic or ethnic positions. And Those different approaches, those different roads that we take to find these commonalities are what makes life interesting. Yeah. Where can our listeners find your book? In every every bookstore, I would hope, will have it. If they don't, please ask them to get it. You can get it through Amazon. You can get it, I hope, in the libraries. Now, the book just came out January 8th, but I think it's doing very nicely online and in bookstores. One place is Bookworks. Uh, they they have copies of the book waiting for you. It's right there. Uh, there are also audio versions. There's an electronic version, and I would assume you can get it online. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, that's pretty much it. Is there anything I missed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you hit all the jackpots. <laughs> um, thank you. And thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. This is Bianca Mitchell with Generation Justice. Thank you so much, Susan. It was such an amazing experience to talk to you. Your book gave me so much inspiration. The story of why and her sister and the violence they experienced was a lot of emotions to take in. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us, Susan. I had personally enjoyed the segment where you stated your view on America's immigration system and how nearly everyone here is tied to immigration. Again, Susan's new book is titled We Are Here to Stay, Stories of Undocumented Young Adults. It's published by Candlewick Press, and it's available at Bookworks in Albuquerque, Amazon, and other book retailers. Now, here is Ave Que Emigra by Gabby Moreno, followed by If I Was President by Las Cafeteras.
dos, tres, cuatro. song is Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas, followed by Kids by MGMT. Welcome back to Generation Justice. It's time for our community events calendar. What's up first, Bianca? Well, February is Black History Month, and we have some awesome events to help celebrate. First, we have the Kumbuka Celebration at the Kimo Theater downtown on Friday, February 1st, starting at 8 p.m., hosted by New Mexico Black History Organizing Committee. Kumbuka means remember in Swahili. The event kicks off the 8th Annual New Mexico Black History Festival with singing, spoken word, and dance. The event is open to the public and doors open at 7.30. Also on February 9th is the Pan-African Film Series featuring the murder of Fred Hampton hosted by the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, New Mexico, and Building Power for Black New Mexico. The film is about the activist and revolutionary Fred Hampton will be held from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. at Highland High School, located at 4700 Cole Avenue in Albuquerque. For more info, visit aaprpnewmexico.org. Our next event is a public conference on race and the law, hosted by the New Mexico Black Lawyers Association and New Mexico Black History Organizing Committee. The Race and Law Conference will be held Saturday, February 9th from 9.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. 
and will feature authors, scholars, and a discussion on APD, gerrymandering, sentencing, and restorative justice. For more information on this and many other Black History Month events, email info at blackhistorymonth.com or call 505-407-6784. That's it for our calendar. Stay tuned to Generation Justice for more Black History Month events coming up in February. Up next, to hear Young, Gifted, and Black by Common featuring Layla Hathaway. And the whips kissing our black skin. Strange fruit hanging, smell the jasmine. Ride the cold train, listen to jazz then. Back then, we came with names like James. We reached the end of another hour of resilience and resistance. We'd like to thank our guest, Susan Kuklin. Tonight's hour of radio was produced by Katie Zuni and Roberta Real. And thank you to my co-host, Bianca Mitchell, for interviewing. We want to give a big shout-out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like KNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud and iTunes. We're also active on social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional fun- funding from the McCune Foundation and the Colm Alma Health Foundation. And of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. And I'm Bianca Mitchell. And I'm Nathaniel Guardian. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. We have some more tunes for you. Here is The Keepers by Santa Gold, followed by I'm Black and I'm Proud by James Brown. Yeah.